0: Hey guys, I'm Megan and I'm Sierra. Welcome back to According to. In this week's episode, we are going to be doing our second advice episode because it's been a minute since the first yeah, one think that we that did. That was one of the first ones that we did, and I think that we called the first one According to Us. Like that was how we titled it, so maybe we'll do the same for this. Um, I think that we, once again, are just going to do a general advice episode. Maybe in the future, we can have a more specific, like if you want advice about. Different specific topics and we'll go and ask for different scenarios or situations We could do that in the future, but this is just going to be another general ask away Whatever advice you need and we will try and give you our best advice But before we get started, we need to get started with our weekly spotlight And I think we might have the same weekly spotlight unless you came up with a different I came one I different one All right, so the most obvious one that we both kind of are sharing is the Iowa-Minnesota game It was such a good game, I think I've decided it's in my top four games that I've been to. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have told me that playing Minnesota would be one of our biggest games of the year? No offense to anyone that goes to Minnesota, but like, I was just not expecting them to be a good team. Or I mean, I don't think anyone. They're probably like going to be the ones that win the Big Ten West now. So I guess congrats. Hey, maybe Um, Wisconsin will. Maybe Wisconsin. Um, One of our. One of the comments on one of our recent posts on our according to account was actually someone that goes to Wisconsin, and they were saying like that they were so happy that we beat Minnesota because that means that they're still in the running for winning the Big Ten West. So like it didn't really help us that much other than we got to like beat a number seven or number eight team, whatever they were, and then we rushed the field, which uh, may be controversial to some people, but it was still a really good experience, and it was just like a really good atmosphere, like. Kinnick, when you're, like, actually winning and, like, it was a close game. So, it it was, was like, so loud. Uh, The reason that rushing the field could be, like, considered controversial, not really controversial. Like, no one probably cares that much. Some people were like, really, you rush the field? Like, that kind of thing. The whole week leading up to the game, I was asking people, I was like, do you think we'd rush the field if we won? And the reason for that is because we were ranked 23rd and they are ranked seven, I think, based off of the AP poll. And we were favored to win anyways. So, in that sense, we were expected to win. But then I was like, they're still ranked higher than us, and we like they're would top normally, ten team right yeah. now. Yeah, we normally rush the field if we beat, you know, a top ten. And we're like team, pretty much. Like we're twenty three. It's not like we're up that high right now. So I wasn't sure. Even throughout the game, I was not sure if we're gonna rush the field. And then I think with like five minutes left, I start seeing people like kind of walking down the bleachers towards the field. And I turn around. And I was like, guys, we're rushing the field. So I got pretty pumped after that. And it's actually our first time getting on the field. We did like rush the field when we won against Ohio State, but we didn't actually make it onto the field. We were sitting in such a bad position. Like we couldn't get around to be able to like rush the field. So by the time we like could have gotten onto the field, like everyone was already like filling the field. So we could not get onto the field. So we actually got to like jump over the wall. I dropped my phone when I jumped over the wall. I was just like, oh my God, no one step on it, no one step on it. And then I just like picked it up and I was like recording the whole thing, just running into the middle, trying to be like, Woo, we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was still super fun because I've never been able to, like, rush the field like that. And it was a trophy game, so that made it, like, a little bit more of, like, you know, something worth winning, I guess. Um, the football players get to, like, go run to the trophy and say, Woo, we're keeping Floyd here. <laughs> yeah. The trophy literally a pig. So, bring home the bacon. I saw that caption quite a bit. Or, okay, Minnesota. So, um, whoever runs the Iowa football Instagram page needs a raise or something because... They have really good captions whenever we beat someone, at least I think they do. Um, and so usually it has something to do with whatever the opposing school is, where we, like, twist it and make it, like, you know, we won or something. I don't know a good way of saying that. But the caption after we beat Minnesota was, Ski you not. And I was like, sorry, what? What is that? And, and then there were can... people that commented, and they're like, oh, my God, that's the best caption ever. And I was like, what does that mean? So I Googled it, as one does. And apparently, people that are Minnesota fans say Ski UMA" because I guess Ski is some sort of Sioux battle cry, cry. and "UMA" refers to University of Minnesota, and so then they changed it to Na, because they lost. So I mean, anything else you want to say about the game? I just had a good time. Great game. Probably my favorite of the season. So, I think that my weekly spotlight was the fact that we got to go home back to Des Moines on Sunday. And it was quite the day, honestly. So I know we had ourselves a time. I mean it was it was a lot. Okay, so on Saturday that was when the game was, and it was a three o'clock game, so um the game was over around seven, I think, and we stayed in Iowa City that night and just like had some Disney Plus. We were watching Emperor's New Groove. We watched, and Big Hero 6. we watched Big Hero Six. And then we slept in a little bit, and then Sunday we headed back to Des Moines, which is around a two-hour drive. So I think we got back to Des Moines around 12.30. And then got some b We went back because yeah. we had to record with Maggie. We only recorded one video, but that we were going to originally aim for shooting. I I never, I never say shooting a video, but we were gonna aim for filming around two thirty. And then so we came back at twelve thirty, just to like get there early. Why not? And then she texted us asking if she if we'd be able to push it back until three forty five because she was watching the Vikings game with her dad. And I was like. Okay, doesn't really matter. So we pushed it back to then. So then we had more time before recording. So we went to Target with our mom, um, not really for any reason, but just like shop around Who and like, have, like a you know Target run. And then after that, we got
1: um, some
0: freels. Oh yeah, we did. We got some freels at Come and Go, which I hadn't had one in so long. And then we recorded from three forty five ish until I don't know five, five. probably around five. And then after that, we went to Ankeny as we were headed out of town to get lunch with our, or not lunch, dinner with our dad, um, just so we could say hi to him quick before going back, and then we drove back to Iowa City, so it was like four hours of driving in one day, but it was actually surprisingly, okay, okay, hold on, wait, my allergies, because I'm allergic to dogs, and we have two dogs, but when I grew up with, like, being around dogs every single day and, like, took allergy medicine consistently- I didn't have any issue with... Like, it wasn't like I was actually allergic to dogs on a daily basis. But since moving away from... Moving away from home and going to college, when I go back and if I'm not, like, consistently taking um, allergy medication, then I show up and I'm just, like... It really... It hits me like a truck because uh, I was totally fine when we were there and, like, if I was even fine when we were recording except, like, towards the end of the video, you can kind of tell, like, something's up and I'm, like, look like I'm about to sneeze. But then... On the drive from our mom's house to Ankeny, like something happened because and that was when we left our dogs. So I don't understand. But like things changed and I was like, oh, this is not good. Like my eyes were watering so bad. I felt like I was going to sneeze constantly. My nose was runny. So we showed up to the restaurant. I look horrendous because I just like look like I'm going to sneeze. And I feel like I couldn't even eat dinner because I was just like, I just like don't feel great right now. Um, and then, so before going back, or before, because I was driving back, our dad was like, Sierra, how about you drive back? I was like, no, I already drove here today. <laughs> so, yeah, I was like, I know I have to drive because Sierra's so the one that already drove us to Des Moines. And so, I was like, okay, before driving back, because it was going to be, like, another hour and a half from Ankeny, I was like, we have to go to Target, and I have to, like, prepare myself for this drive back. So, we went in. I got myself some allergy medication, got myself a water bottle so I could take the allergy medication and also just to, like, drink. I got myself some Breathe Bright, um, a small travel size thing of lotion just because, like, my nose was super dry. And then I got myself a chapstick. So I was, like, <laughs> got back to the car. I, I took could the allergy medication. You my chapstick. Well, I wanted one of the Aquaphor ones. Okay. So we went back to the car. I took the allergy medication. It might have been placebo effect, but, like, it kind of kicked in pretty fast and then I was like I put lotion on my face because it felt super dry and gross because my dad told me in the restaurant to go splash water on my face and that it would make me feel better that didn't help at all and then it also made my face dry <laughs> so that's why I got the lotion and then I use a chapstick and then I tried putting a breathe right strip on my nose and that didn't work at all probably because I just put lotion on my nose so Anyways, drive back actually wasn't that bad. I feel like the allergy medication kicked in pretty good. I was kind of tired though, but I was like cuz you know how when you're like congested and your head's like super just like your sinuses are filled, I feel like that like made me made me feel tired, but I powered through. We made it back. I if I was on, like that tired, I would have pulled over, but I turned I made on it some 80s music towards the end, and I don't know a ton of 80s music, but I do know some because our dad played a lot since he plays the drums and also just cuz I feel like there's a lot of popular songs that everyone knows. So we're jamming out to some of those. Did you ever end up learning the words to, uh, what was that one song? Come on, Eileen. Come on, Eileen. I did look up the lyric video, and then the words are totally, like, it's not a rhythmic, like, song. Like, you can't, like, I could probably try a little harder, but it was, like, the words and, like, when they sing them, it's, like, off of what you would think it would be. And then also, like, it was just hard to, like, understand and hear the lyrics. Like, even though it's on screen... Like, I need to show you something because it was just, like, this is going to be hard to learn if I actually want to learn it. Um, But, yeah, I was, like, you know how it speeds up during the song? Or maybe you don't, but, like, it speeds up during part of that song, so I was, like, I should learn this. Like, that'd be fun to try and figure out how to sing. So I thought that I'd be able to. I spent, like, five minutes trying to maybe look at the lyrics, and then I was, like, you know, I'm going to go to bed, actually. (laughs) I went to bed so early because I was so tired when I got back that I was asleep probably before... 11 which is like unheard of for me and i literally slept for i slept from probably like 10 30 or 11 until 7 30 which is the most sleep i've gotten and who knows how long because i never sleep in anymore apparently well that concludes our weekly spotlight session so we're gonna go ahead and jump into the first piece of advice before we do that quick shout out to our merch if you want to check it out and keep supporting this podcast or if you have already bought stuff and you want us to try and figure out more designs let us know so we can maybe work on that. But also, if you have not checked it out yet, feel free to do that. It's always linked in our Instagram bio, and that just helps support the podcast. Right now, we're currently ad-free, so that would be a way that you could help us out. Not to say we wouldn't do ads in the future, but that is how you could support us right now. Mm-hmm. And if you have bought something, please tag us somewhere on social media, whether it's in a post or a story. We love seeing you guys uh, supporting us. hmm Alright, so, first bit of advice actually has a bit of a story behind it. I love when people send in, like, a long, detailed story. Yeah, I think next time we're going to have to say DM us so we, like, know all the details. Mm -hmm, Because some people just want, like, generic life advice. And, you know, maybe we'll get to that, but it's juicier when there's some actual substance to it. So, here it is. Uh, So, first, like, they originally sent us a, like, an answer to our DM being, or an answer to our story saying, Hey, like, you know, I have issues with my coworkers not liking me. And then they DM'd us to, you know, add some more details to their story, so I'm going to read their DM right now. I started a new job about seven months ago, and I really enjoy it, but some of the co-workers are hard to deal with. I am a very goal-oriented person, I set a standard for myself every day. The person who worked in my position before me was not the best worker, from what I've heard, so I feel like the bar was set pretty low for me coming into the job. But because of that, I feel like I look like an overachiever, or that I'm trying to work my way up in the company, which is not my intention. This is a stepping stone job for me to get experience. It's just hard to deal with coming to a job where people look down on you for working hard and completing what the tasks completing the tasks that you're given every day. Yeah, I know. Hard to believe. haha. Any tips on how to deal with the negative energy? And I don't plan on changing myself to please them because at the end of the day, I want to feel good about the work that I do. It's okay if you don't answer my question. Uh, she loves our podcast and our videos. So, thank you. Thank um, you. I think, great question. Definitely a unique situation, at least I think. Um, I definitely agree with what you're saying about not wanting to change what you're doing to please others because at the end of the day it's your self-satisfaction that you're putting on the line if you don't you know meet your standards that you're setting every day yeah I think also I don't know how long exactly you've been working at your position but you make it sound like you are definitely newer to the position and other people have been there longer than you have so I think that that in itself is going to be like okay there's a different dynamic that you're not necessarily automatically fitting into and maybe other people get you know other people the longer you get your job are going to get comfortable with whatever work they do um, and also probably, you know, you lose a little bit of that motivation, which you seem to still have. So I think that you're probably different from your coworkers in that sense of where you're, you know, wanting to put effort into whatever work you're doing and they might be comfortable with what they're doing and say, like, I'm getting my job done exactly how it's supposed to. And I think it's just a different mentality between you and your coworkers that you might not necessarily end up meshing completely. I think that it's also like just a personality type thing, too. So I think just keep doing the work that you're doing and making sure that you're completing things to the level that's expected of the company. And if you want to go above and beyond that, then I think that's totally your call. And if the other people have an issue with, you know, thinking that you're trying to, like, do more, like, go above and beyond just because you're trying to make a good impression, I mean, that's probably exactly what you're trying to do. Or even, like, not not necessarily to make a good impression, but what's the harm in wanting to, like, show that you can work hard To your boss, you know what I mean. So I think that you're in the right. I don't necessarily think that you can do much besides just keep doing what you're doing and trying to, you know, try not to like compare yourselves or try to like let your coworkers not compare your work to their work, but just try and like mesh on a personality level or just like being coworkers and not having to compare each other's work, and that might be a good way to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I also just think making sure. I'm sure your intentions are, like, you're trying to lay them out to be, like, I'm not telling you guys what you need to do. I'm just doing what I feel like is the best, you know, effort that I need to put into the job. I'm not saying that you guys need to put in, like, X many times effort as you are doing. Mm -hmm. I think just being clear that you're setting your standard for yourself and not to try and one-up them because I'm sure that's all you're doing. And then I really liked what Megan said about trying to get to know them on a more personal level so that, they can befriend you and you guys can actually get along and enjoy each other's company because I'm sure you've spent a lot of time together and not you're just working focusing together. on work because that's when they're going to be feeling like it's a comparison and whatnot all right I have another I have the next one so this is how to decide what college you should go to um I also saw someone else asking about um whether or not they should go to a community college or I had good advice a, for that university just because they don't want to miss out on the college experience. So we touched on this a little bit when we did a podcast episode with Haley and she's post-grad so we talked all about that and how you should decide a college that works best for you. So you can go ahead and start and give whatever advice you feel like you have. So as far as deciding between a community college and a four-year university, I'm going to give you a little secret on the life hack that so many people who end up going to Iowa do. So obviously Iowa is like a huge school. A lot of people you know, either want to come here for four years, but maybe not, like, they're not able to afford it, so their little, like, work around that is to attend a nearby community college, it's called Kirkwood, and they'll go there for two years, but they'll still live in Iowa City and still be in the same area as all their friends who are at Iowa, or, like, you know, they're still able to, like, go to the same places as all the Iowa students are able to, but they're only paying for the community college Mm -hmm. education, and then after two years, they'll transfer to Iowa, and, like, they still have their same friendships and, like, the same people at the same places, so I think that's a good workaround about dealing with price and then also getting the college experience. Yeah, and going off of that too, if you like if sports are a big thing at like a big university that you want to go to, then you could totally be able to like get tickets to go to the major university sporting events. Like we have student guest tickets for students. Like if you're friends with a student at the university, then you can have them buy a student de- a student guest ticket for you. So that way you can still go sit in the student section and it really like no one would know. Just get your Hawkeye gear and yeah. you'll pass as a student. I mean student. whatever school you go to. Um, I think that another thing of advice I have is I'll give a couple of different advice or a couple of different options for advice depending on whatever your scenario is. So if your parents are in, or if you're in a situation where your parents are paying for your college, I think that it's worth like the best case scenario might just be like sitting down with them and seeing if they're genuinely willing and wanting to pay for your college, then maybe, and this is speaking in, like, terms of, like, for us in Iowa, yes, going to big universities are, uh, it's more expensive, but it's also not, like, the most expensive university in the world, so, um, it's pretty it's kind of standard for parents to, like, pay for their kids' college to, like, say, yeah, you can go to a big school university, at least in Iowa, and it's not a big deal, like, the private tuition is when it starts getting expensive yeah <laughs> um but that's usually not the case for bigger state schools and that's where you're going to have in my opinion like the big college experience I personally don't understand why people go to private schools or if out of state. state if you go to a private school maybe let me know because then you're not getting the big okay. university experience I do know. and then you're also like at a smaller school and it's more expensive like I don't see the plus in that, but maybe it's just not for me. I do know that a lot of private institutions have really good scholarships, but, like, if anything, I swear it only works it down to being what, like, public in state yeah. would be. And then, it like, there's no scholarship Additional. on top of that. Yeah. So that's another thing to consider. Obviously, I'm not saying, like, if you're a senior and, like, you can't just change all yeah. your grades and your ACT scores. But one of that, f- you're going into one of my next tips. But- so if we have some younger listeners here, maybe... Um, young high schoolers, or if you have a good GPA already, um, do not underestimate merit-based scholarships and how much those can help out. Sure, you can apply for other online scholarships, too. Honestly, And also, don't. <laughs> I would also say don't waste your time. But um, as, like, a good influential person, I'd say do apply to those. I applied for a couple. I literally, you don't hear anything back for 99% of those. Um, but, you know, you can do it if you want, see if you get lucky. I just honestly don't think it's worth it the time to even bother, but me and Sierra got merit-based scholarships that was based on our ACT and GPA, and those are guaranteed scholarships. Like, you can look this stuff up beforehand, yeah. say, what do I need to get as my GPA, what do I need to get as my ACT score, and so then, it's like, not like, guarantee a, that scholarship. Thing. It's, like, you get that stuff, and then you apply, and also, like, you have to be accepted. Like, our in-state schools are not difficult to get accepted into, so this depends based on the state you live in, but... We knew we were going to get in, we knew that we had those scores needed for the scholarships because it's already posted online, so most merit-based scholarships are already going to be posted online, and then all we had to do was, like, we got accepted and we automatically get the scholarship, and then also, even after we got accepted, we retook the ACT to try and get um, the scholarship above, and so even though we already applied in, like, during our senior year, uh, we could have stuck with the lower-level scholarship, we tried one more time. And it ended up working out because we got the score we needed to get, like, the one up above that. And the only so, reason that we wanted to try for the next one was because it was significantly more amounts of money. I don't know if that was proper grammar. It was not. But, but basically, it was worth it for us to take the ACT one more time to, like, try and get uh, the next higher scholarship. And that's another thing because, like, our scholarship makes it cheaper for us to go to Iowa than, like, it would be to go to like anywhere else. Yeah, even a community college. So, I think that you have more say than you probably initially think you do as far as like what are my options for going to community school or what am I saying like college <laughs> so it was like me and Sierra knew we wanted to go to a big school we knew we wanted it to be um uh, I mean, we wanted to have Iowa like the typical State. like college but experience liberal. but I'm just saying that we still put in the effort to make costs go down so that we wouldn't have to pay a lot of money because I think we always planned on paying for college ourselves whether it was with a scholarship or without a scholarship And so that obviously just helped me out in the end, making sure that I didn't have to pay so much money because I got a scholarship. So I know that if this is, like, later on in high school and you can't necessarily completely revamp your GPA, then that might not be an option. But don't underestimate or sell yourself short or act like high school grades don't matter because I didn't go into high school thinking, like, I need to keep me keep my GPA up to, like, this level so I can get this scholarship to go to Iowa, blah, blah, blah. Like, I didn't know where I was going to college. I didn't look at scholarships until um, probably just, like, when I was applying and then I found out, hey, I could actually, like, get this scholarship. So it's never too early to start looking at what schools you might be interested in going to, what scholarships they might have, or even, you know, we're talking about scholarships based off of merit just because those are the guaranteed ones that I know of, but there's also scholarships that you can apply for like through elsewhere the schools. through the school and not based on GPA or grades or anything. So look at those as well because really anything helps. Mm-hmm. I would also just like highly deter people from going to out of state schools. I don't mean to sound like a negative Nancy here, but out of state tuition is a heck of a killer. And unless you have a really, really, really good reason for wanting to go to that school, like I don't think, here's what I think. In most cases, I think whatever school you choose, you will end up saying, like, yeah, this was, like, the right school for me. Like, honestly, I probably could have, like, gone to Iowa State and been like, oh my god, like, this is the school for me. I feel like it's just when you put yourself in that situation, you just accept it, then you're like, yeah, I'm in the right spot. But if you, like, work yourself up to having a dream school that's out of state and all of a sudden you're faced with going to school and you, like, have the whole financial responsibility of paying out-of-state tuition, that is not... Not fun. And then when I hear people having like two hundred fifty thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollars of debt just after undergrad, I'm like, you could have been a doctor or something with that kind of debt. So definitely don't try to act like you have to go out of state because there are plenty. I'm pretty sure every state is going to have at least one pretty solid in-state option. So that'd be my personal recommendation. And unless you have like a sports scholarship or some other insane academic scholarship. I would avoid going out of state. All right, so someone said, what do I do if I still have feelings for someone but they're starting to lose feelings? Ooh. Um. Again, I feel like it, I could give better advice if I knew like a scenario yeah. or like age, like are we talking about high school? Are we talking about college? Probably doesn't make that much of a difference, but I guess, you know what I've learned from my very little experience in relationships or like my, you know, slight aging from high school to college is that... You know how everyone always, like, starts talking, and you're, you're talking, you're not in a relationship yet, but you're talking, you're not a thing yet, and then, you know, maybe eventually you progress onto a relationship, but it's, like, it takes kind of a lot of work to actually get to that point, because I feel like a lot of people just aren't interested in putting labels on it. I feel like I've just been more, like, with my little... I feel like whenever <laughs> you talk about relationships, people are like, oh my gosh, you guys have no Shut idea what up. you're talking about. Shut up. So, with my little relationship experience, I just feel like I like wouldn't want to play games like that or like if you know they're not interested or like that they're losing feelings there's really not much you can do about it and you kind of just have to accept that it's not going to work out and like slowly I guess how I would deal with this kind of situation is like don't keep forcing yourself you know to like hey like let's hang out like don't try and like force something to happen when you can obviously tell they're not interested because I feel like You know when someone's interested, you can tell they're not interested. It's better, like, in my situation, if this was my situation, I would be like, okay, I can tell they're not interested in me anymore. It's time for me to start taking a step back. That's just how I personally feel like I would deal with this. Like, if you keep putting yourself in that situation, maybe say, like, oh, we can still be friends, I feel like you're always going to be left with, like, maybe I can still turn them into, like, wanting to have something more, and that's probably not going to turn out well, so that would be my advice. It's not fun. There's no magical way to fix it, but I think that it's the most realistic, so that would be what I would suggest. I definitely agree with that. I think that, you know, I've had my fair share of these experiences, but I think what's really helped me, I think I saw a tweet, and I'm, like, totally gonna botch whatever it actually said, but it said something along the lines of, like, if you have to ask or, like, question if someone is interested in you, then they're probably not. And I think that just realizing that and accepting that and saying, like, it would be so much easier to be invested in someone who's also invested in you Mm -hmm. rather than trying to, like, pull someone who's, like, already on the way out because it's no fun to, like, try to get someone to like you who, like, doesn't like you, you know? Yeah. And so just realizing that— It becomes a very one-sided thing. Realizing that there is, like, I always say there is someone for everyone, and even if you feel like you're not finding them, like, you will eventually, and then you'll be like, thank God I didn't try and, like, hold on to that one person who didn't even want to be with me in, like, the first place. So, I would say that would be my advice. And, I like that. Uh, unfortunately, like, also you have to realize, like, there are times when we lose feelings for someone, too. Or, like, we just, like, aren't interested in someone. Imagine if we were no trying to, At no fault of their own. Yeah. It's just, like, you sometimes just aren't interested in someone. Imagine if you are just trying to, like... Imagine someone else just trying to, like, reel you back in and, like, keep you interested. If you're looking at it from that perspective, then it would be, like, okay, that's a hard no. Like, this is even worse. So, it's a tough situation, but... I'm sure everyone's been there, and I feel like there is no happy way to get around it. You just have to try and move on to the best of your ability and realize that there will be someone in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, this next question is, how do I move on from... Or, I think I'm looking at the wrong question. Hold on, okay. What do you recommend for getting out of a motivation funk? And I like this question because I feel like there's so many different aspects of life where you can just be like, I'm just not really feeling it right now. Like, for me, recently... Although I feel like I'm kind of like on the up and up, I've like been in a fitness funk. <laughs> uh, and I think that getting that new gym membership that we've talked about has really helped me kind of figure out like a solid workout routine because beforehand I just had the goal of working out four times a week and I wasn't quite sure how to always accomplish that. And like for some reason it's really hard for me to be in the gym for like more than forty five minutes at a time right now. And like yeah. that's kind of part it's of our funk right a now. Drag. So, uh, one thing that's helped us, we have this, like, app that our university is using. It's called Plyo. And so, like, it will time you however long you're in the rec center or, like, wherever there's a gym on campus, and you get points for that. I haven't used the points for anything yet, but I, I feel good about I haven't used the points either. It. I actually <laughs> have a lot right now because I go pretty often. I get all the points, but then I don't spend all, any of the points on anything, even though, like, if I get smoothies, I could get, like, discounts on smoothies. I just haven't gotten a smoothie in forever. But that also keeps track of the time, so it's been... Nice so that means here at least can kind of like say, No, like let's stay until forty five minutes at least because we've had it's been hard. a hard time doing that. I don't, I don't know, know. It's like it's just been I feel like we're going through the workout so fast and doing quite a bit of stuff, but then somehow it's only been like twenty minutes. Right? And I like, What the I'll heck am I gonna be like? We've only been here for twenty minutes. Like, I don't believe that. So if you guys ever feel that, we feel it too. It gets annoying. Going to the gym is not always fun. Um, however, above all, I still think that the dedication and discipline of going is what replaces motivation. But then also, I think the best way to get motivated again is to try something new. Mm-hmm. So, in the case of us getting a new gym membership, that's something new. It's been really fun for us. It's a change of scenery. Even if it's like um, you need more motivation studying, try going somewhere else. Go to a coffee shop. Go to, you know, me and Sierra study at Panera a lot because it's like we don't get coffee. And so, but we do like food. So, we go to Panera. And, like, changing your scenery helps you out so much. One, changing your scenery physically gives you a break mm -hmm. because we'll go to Panera for, like, a change of scenery and then we'll be there for a couple hours and we'll say, I actually, like, need to leave Panera now because, like, I'm tired of being here. And then, like, that drive back gives us, like, that time to just relax, like, listen to the music. And then when we get back to our apartment, maybe take a little bit more of a break and, like, get back to things. So I really like changing your scenery to give you motivation. But also what Megan said about specifically exercising, but this can work for everything, is, like, the discipline is what's going to be there when the motivation fades. Also, if you're in an exercise funk, I think one of the biggest things you can do is, like, dress prepared to work out. Because mm-hmm. if you're already dressed and ready to go to the gym, that's what Megan and I do. A lot of the time when we go to class, we're, like, wearing leggings and a workout top and, like, a sweatshirt or something. And then after class, we just go to the rec, take off our sweatshirt, put our hair up. Ready to go. Ready to go. So Whereas, like, if you're someone that wears something else that you're not ready to work out and you have to go back to your apartment and then change and then get yourself to go back out to go work out I feel like you're just going to be less likely if you're already not motivated enough to work out to be like you know I don't really feel like it and then I'm gonna skip so it's all about discipline but it's also and getting there, there I think also like, half the battle it is like it really is sometimes or if you're like waking up in the morning to work out that's tough too I think that the more you do something, the better your body adapts, which is good as far as, like, waking up or you get more used to it. But it's also, like, that can be a bad thing because over time you adapt and you're like, I don't like this anymore. Or, like, it feels like that's why you're, you're on repeat. Up your routine so good too. it could be switching up the days that you work out. It could be switching up the time of the day that you work out or, you know, the modality that you use to exercise. So whether that's, you know, you want to try a group fitness class or maybe you want to try a cycling class. A lot of times recs, too, especially if you're uh, on campus, they have a lot of different group fitness classes oh my gosh group fitness classes that you can try out so you know me and Sarah got a gym membership somewhere else but there's also you know there's literally spin classes that we could take at the rec if we were so inclined I'm not personally inclined but if someone else hey we take our uh, 15 minute spin class at hot works that's good enough for me (laughs) the one we did today was really hard guys it was like 45 minutes and it was with the resistance band and like it was hard also but it was barefoot and you had to put the resistance band like under your feet and it kind of like my it my feet hurt. when it would, like, be not stretched. I don't know how to, like, describe this, but it kind of hurt my feet. And then also, my band almost got stuck in the vending machine, and then Sierra, I'm pretty sure, paid for two different well, okay, bands. to explain why the band was in the vending machine, that place, if you, like, want to get a band, you can, like, it's in the vending machine. Yeah. I feel like I had to clarify that, because you don't normally get
1: bands So, I got machines. mine,
0: and it was, like, a light... Well, there are two different types of tension. I got mine the light one, and then that was the only one left, but, like, I paid for it it was like the thing spun so it should come out but it was stuck so sierra you know swiped her card was getting another one she had to get the one next to it which was heavier tension because the other one was now out and so she pushed hers out but then it didn't work at all it didn't move like nothing moved and then she swiped her card again so, so i think I didn't he got get- charged twice You probably did and then it finally moved, and it came out. And then it mine, like, it shoved mine a little bit, but it was still stuck. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to really pay for it again. And then we shook, the, we shook the vending machine a little bit, and we got it out. So, also, there was no one working there at the time. It's, like, a 24-7 place, and no one got there until 9. So we were on our end. It, no one's there until 11. Oh. Well, we are on so, our end. So, anyways, we got both of our bands, and Sears was so much heavier than yeah. mine. Like, two, there was... Three instructors on TV, two of them are girls, they're using the same one as I am, which was still hard, and then one of them was blue in the video, but I think it was the same tension as Sierra's green one, and that was a a man using it, so... I'm just saying, that man is stronger than Sierra is. (laughs) Well, the first thing we did was, uh, like, front raises with the band, and you're supposed to, like, lift it just above your shoulder joint, and I was, like, struggling to, like, lift it to my belly button, so... (laughs) After a while, Megan's like, okay, we can, like, switch bands, and that really did save me a little bit. All right, my next thing that someone wants advice on is how to do well in college, especially science classes. That's uh, good, because that's all I can classes. give some help with. So, Love them. All right, science classes that we've taken. We've taken uh, principles of chemistry. I'm not sure what that, like, differs in its naming other places, but it's, like, harder than general chemistry, but way easier than organic, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we've taken foundational biology courses microbiology uh we're in endocrinology right now that's going pretty well we took um, physics one we're in physics two and we took anatomy and we're we already took physiology and then and we're, we're also in exercise, in phys exercise phys. right now so we've I taken that's all of our science courses yeah, we've taken quite a few um i think let's kind of cater to the more general courses first just because that probably applies to a larger larger amount of you guys Mm -hmm. um chemistry was the first class that we took that was a science course that was like our main science course so the foundational courses for most like for chemistry and biology they're called weed out courses and that's because they want to weed out the students who don't do well in those courses so that they don't advance on to the more difficult courses so it's like if these people are pre-med or pre-whatever like this they they will no longer be (laughs) yeah so they'll be like okay i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna like switch to business or something or some other major and I think that's, like, those courses are designed to be difficult to get the people. Because I always thought that, like, oh, my God, chemistry is hard. And, like, it's just going to get harder. Like, biology's hard. It's going to get even harder. And I found that the higher-up classes that require, you know, chemistry and the foundational biology, like, they're not, like, easier, but they're I guess not here's harder. what I would say. Here's how I would describe it. So, our foundational biology classes, we took two of them. That, like, that course sequence was supposed to be the weed-out course. So there's a lot of people in it, it's a giant lecture, and then obviously they're trying to simplify it down, so not as many people are taking biology or or pre-med or whatever. And so I think I'm trying to give like a rough estimate of what I think my grade ended up being in that class, and in those earlier classes, they're usually curved so that it kind of corrects for however difficult the class was. I think that I got like an 85 in the class, so still good, but it wasn't like an A on its own, but it curves up to an A, that's what we both got in that class. And then, obviously, there's people that, I think, like, there's a pretty big range, honestly. Like, you could do, like, an 80% and I think still got an A. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. but I don't fully um, For example, like, in our bio classes that we took last semester and then this semester, they don't have curves. And so you kind of enter that class being, like... They have, like, built-in curves where it's, like, the professor says, I've kind of lowered the standard of what an A typically is. So now instead of an A being a 93 and up, an A is, like, a 90 and above. Yeah, that's usually how our classes work now. So, like, in microbiology, which we took last semester, I finished the class exactly, exactly at a 90% in the class. I could not have gotten one point lower. I would have gotten an A-. minus, Which I don't... I only needed an A. But I'm just saying that, like, you are probably going to do better if you make it through those foundational classes because they make the material more, I guess, well-rounded and so that you're going to know what's on the exams a little bit more and you should be able to round out your knowledge a little bit more for the exams rather than, like, the broad foundational courses that are, like, super... Those are just so like, hard to study so, You know, like, it includes so much information that you have to, like, really, really, really put in the effort to know all of it to try and, like, do well on your own without the curve, which... I think me and Sierra definitely still did put a lot more effort into, like, those courses to do well on our own without relying on the curve, because you can't always rely on the curve. You want to try and do as best as you can on your own, but just know that that's part of the structure of those beginning-level courses, is that they're not expecting everyone to get, you know, 95s on the exam. Absolutely Somehow there are people that get 100% on those, and I'm just like, I have no idea how you guys do it, but I remember, I just want to throw this in, for... One of our foundational biology courses, we had, like, a plant unit that we just did. And Megan and I were studying so much for it. We, like, skipped our anatomy lecture, like, right before the exam because we were, like, going to study for it. And then we went to the exam. And we had, uh, we were in two different buildings as far as, like, where our exams were scheduled. And then, like, Haley picked us up afterwards. Like, we met in the car and we were kind of like, you know, I'm not sure about that. (laughs) You know, sometimes you leave those exams and you're just like, I thought I studied pretty much as good as I possibly could have. And it just didn't go that great. It actually did end up going fine somehow. We did better than we thought we did, but it was interesting. I'm lucky that I leave most exams feeling like I prepared adequately, but like every once in a while, there'll be an exam that you finish and you're just like, no, here's the secret. I have the secret right now. If you want to be able to know that you're going to leave an exam that, and like you did just fine, like you couldn't have done bad, no hairpin. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Like that sounds like a lot, and it's like, And if you're like, okay, I'm not going to know the whole PowerPoint, then like, okay, that's fine. I'm just saying you're not going to be able to say I'm, you, you're not going to be able to say that you can, know you can leave the exam feeling like you did just fine, you know? But if you do want to be able to leave every single exam feeling like I know I did just fine or I knew most of that material, know every single thing on the PowerPoint because that's how it, I'm not saying that, I guess some classes are going to have application questions, but again, like that's not going to be like the whole exam, so you should still be able to leave. Feeling like just fine, or if you memorize stuff on the powerpoints, then you'll be able to like, apply stuff from the powerpoints to the questions. But I'll be honest, that's most of what my studying is. And then also still like lit my friend. In addition to knowing the stuff on the powerpoints, like yes, you should be able to apply. And whatever that's it is only you're talking because about. professors like to use the same words over and over again, mm-hmm. and so it's just easier to know like how they worded it in the first place. And if you know exactly like if they're probably pulling that from the PowerPoint because that's what's easier for them and they can make sure, like, yeah, I cover this in the class, then if you know it already and it rings a bell when you're taking the exam, then, like, guess what? You know you got that question right. So that's what I would suggest. I know that it's not, like, people are not, a lot of people probably don't want to just study from the PowerPoint. It's not fun, but it's going to be probably the, one of the most effective things you can do for studying for exams. And that depends on the type of course. Again, like, physics and chemistry, you can't do that. Yeah. Like, that's, like, literally just repetition practice. Um, Seeking out your own resources to figure out what else you can do. (laughs) Like, physics is such a difficult class for us to study for because, like... That doesn't have PowerPoints, really. Like, yeah, and the PowerPoints it does have is, like, example problems from the book. It's not helpful, really, on its own. instead of just relying on what we've learned in class, we seek out our own resources, whether it's, like, reading literally entire chapters from the book, because sometimes I just think that the book explains it better, or going on YouTube physics demos. I love you. He teaches like literally our entire textbook. Uh so he's been really helpful like just being proactive and seeking out like exactly if there's a part to learn. Yeah. If there's parts of your unit where you're leading up to an exam and you're like, "You know, I know that I don't feel confident about this." And if instead of if you're kind of like, "Well, with what I've been given, I don't really know what else to do. Like I don't know what other resources to seek out." You have to go find more resources. So Google is your best friend. If I'm looking through a PowerPoint for a class And I can see exactly what's on the PowerPoint, and I, like, am literally, like, I could theoretically memorize the slide if I wanted to, but if I don't actually understand what the heck it's saying, I can't, like, I could just say, whatever, I'll hope they don't ask a question about it. But what I should do and what I usually do is let me try and see if I can search something to better explain um, what this is trying to say or if I'm missing any gaps. So I'd recommend doing that. Like, just try to leave no stone unturned, and that's going to help you succeed in your exams. I know one thing that we liked for anatomy because I actually thought that, so there's two parts to our anatomy class, the lecture part and then the lab part. And I thought lectures were laid out really like fairly. He, like literally if you knew the PowerPoints, like you were set on the exams. Like it was not too difficult at all. Like and I think he doesn't he try to trick you. It's perfectly. just exactly like know the anatomy. Yeah. And then as far as labs, uh, it was a little bit more difficult because we, okay, the bone section was actually not too bad because at our library, you can check out what they call a bone box, and so it, like, literally has the same bones that you're learning in class, and you can just run over the anatomical structures on the bones. I admit, if you haven't taken anatomy and you're going to, there's a lot more that you need to, you mm-hmm. need to know, like, bone-wise than what I originally thought. I was kind of like, I can, like, name all the bones, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. It's more than just naming the bones. Way more than that. But as far as muscles and stuff, that was definitely the trickier unit for me because it's I in think a I the cat. brain was the hardest for me. That was hard, too, (laughs) because every brain's just, like, a little bit different. Uh, The heart, easy. Mm -hmm. So easy. Yeah. Uh, But as far as, like, muscles, it was in a cat, and they, at least the way our lab laid it out, they, like, put the cats in a certain position. You couldn't move it. You, like, they would kind of put it in different positions than you may have studied it, and here's how our exams worked. So, we would have separate, we had two, so the lab quizzes or lab exams were completely separate from the in-class exams, like, we had... Kind of it was like two different parts of the class, kind of, and so when we had lab exams, we would go to the lab and then the tables would be there was like just long tables that had different you know cat displays with different pins that were associated with numbers, and so you had you know like one through 50. one through whatever I don't even remember how how many we did, but then for each station, you're there for a certain amount of time, usually like I don't know I probably a minute or something, minutes. two minutes. And then you There's look like five at the different structures, at, structures at the station you're at. It's only one person per station. and then There's you're- two rest stations. <laughs> you're writing down the structures. Uh, the spelling had to be at least where you could, like, know that they were talking about a dis- certain distinct structure. But you didn't have to get it exactly right. But after, like, practicing so much, you pretty much know how to spell everything. And then um, as soon as you're done with that, you go on the next one. And hopefully you got them all because you could not go back. So... Um, it actually, that sounded more stressful to me than it actually ended up being. You actually, if you have studied well, you're going to be pretty prepared for the exams. Although if you can't turn the cat, it gets a little confusing Mm -hmm. sometimes. Sometimes they put the cat in a position you've never seen a cat in before. And then you're just like, um, I'm not quite sure what muscle I'm looking at. There's one time I showed up to a station and like, like, I've never seen that muscle before in my life. Oh my God. (laughs) That TikTok where it's like, I don't know who that man is. You'd mm-hmm. walking down the street, and I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> that's how I felt when I was at that station. Yeah. Uh, But something that I found was helpful was there's a lot of cat dissection videos on YouTube, and they go over, like, you learn different parts. It's like, oh, this is the back, and, like, this is the, you know, upper like chest, like, torso area. There's whatever. actual, like, names for this stuff, but I can't remember it. The freaking arm muscles, the forearm, Ooh. that's a lot, though. So good luck with that. But you can do it. Uh, otherwise, there's this website if you're, like, wanting to learn about actual, like, human anatomy, since there's some difference in naming between cats and humans, uh, there's a website called Biodigital, like, human or something, and they have this, like, online, like, human where you can look at the muscles, the bones, the vasculature, everything, and you can act like you're dissecting it, and that's what I would do to kind of, like, get rid of muscles as I was naming them, and then I'd be like, okay, sweet, like, we're set. All right. Does that cover anything? What else do we have for science classes and how to succeed in them? Um, Endocrinology, if you can take it, I would highly recommend it. I really like it. Because feedback loops are not too difficult to learn, and they, like, make a lot of sense, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Yeah, and it's very... Other than our first unit was probably the hardest one, um, after the first unit, it really does kind of just, like, get into each of the different endocrine systems, and so it's very much... At least I think it's pretty good to, like, break it down into those chunks of, like, this system, this system, this system. And, like, and the receptors are kind of a lot at first, but they become very intuitive and, like, not too difficult. So, so yeah, if you have, you have, to, if take you have to take it. an upper-level bio course, um, I would suggest it, at least compared to what other options we had. Like, we took microbiology and endocrinology. I think endocrinology is, like, ten times better Same. than microbiology. Not like microbiology was actually easier than I thought it would be, but that's because I think we had a good professor Mm -hmm. and he was pretty chill and like if you knew the slides, you were pretty set. But I just still think endocrinology is set up better. All right. Um, Do you have a thing that you want to bring up or should I go again? You can go again. All right. This is kind of just also school related. So how do I keep going after failing a big exam? I even need to retake my semester. So this this is a big one. So, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that you have to retake your semester. I think that, unfortunately, the only thing you can do is try and look forward and say, like, what did I do this time that, you know, made me not as prepared for my exams as I thought, as I, thought I would be, and what can you do in the future to help you prepare? Obviously, if you're retaking classes, you've already kind of gotten yeah, a taste of I think that's the one thing that you need to, if you're choosing to retake the same classes, I think that going into the next semester, you should be kind of grateful that you already have a hold of what some of the material you're going to be covering is and so you can really focus in on things that were more confusing to you. Um it could also be a time where unfortunately maybe you should take a look at what classes you're taking and do you think that you can actually do them well or do you think you need to, you know, try a different program or change your major or, you know, if it's even just trying to change out like you took one upper level bio class right now, but you want to try try taking like a different upper level bio class, then you could always try that out as well. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I really have. It definitely isn't a good feeling, but I think that you need to remember that life goes on and that at the end of the day, school is only going to be something that's in your past and you're going to get through it. So keep going. You can do it. And good luck on your next semester. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add, but I just want to say good luck. You got it. This is a very short time in your life and it'll pass before you know it. So don't stress about about it too much. Uh, next question I have is best way to take notes. So, Megan and I have gone through I had that saved. the notes transformation journey while in college. You know it's weird? I feel like I don't remember taking notes at high school, like, notes in high school at all. Like, I'm sure I just had, like, a notebook out and was kind of just, like, writing down whatever the teachers were writing. But I definitely think that once I've gotten to college, I've kind of figured out what works best for me. And Megan and I kind of do the same thing. Last semester was probably, like, my worst semester for taking notes because I was taking them in a notebook again. And that's just, like, not the way that I roll. So, so how do you roll? Well, first semester, we printed off, like, all of our lecture slides, and I think that's, like, great in practice, which is why I think that our iPads now are, like, the perfect solution, because I really think, like, you guys gotta write on your lecture slides. You gotta have something tangible, or, like, you know, a lot of universities will have a, like, online component for all of their classes, and most professors, at least, like, pretty much all the professors I've had, not every single one— but 99% of them will upload their PowerPoints and they usually do so before class. So you have access to them, you can print them, you can download them, whatever it may be. And then, you know, you don't have to do 99% of the copying when you're in class. You just have to say, this is what they're emphasizing. Let me underline that. Or like when I'm, I actually utilize highlighting a lot more than I used to. I try to write my own notes in as well. But sometimes it's like the slide says a whole lot of words, but you sometimes just need to know like a summarized sentence for it. And then I can just write that on myself or I can just, like, highlight keywords and be, like, this, this, this. That pretty much summarizes like, the yeah. whole slide. So um, obviously, like, that's, like, an iPad and, like, not everyone's going to have access to an iPad. Printing out notes is still a great way to do that. Print three slides per page so you save some money and don't print out a slide for every single... Print black and white. Yeah. Um, so you can do stuff where it's still pretty practical. It's kind of annoying to print out slides, which is why I'm so grateful to have an iPad now so I can just show up to class and download the PowerPoint right before lecture starts. But freshman and sophomore year, I I guess part of sophomore year. Freshman and part of sophomore year, I was just printing notes. And then psychology was the only class, honestly, that's really been an exception to that. Psychology, our lectures were available, but they had pretty much nothing on them. And so there would be like a couple words per slide. But then the professor's just lecturing the entire time. And so, in that class, because there's so much information and so much being covered, I actually found that the best thing I could do to take notes was to have a Google Doc open and then just, like, make my own outline as he's talking. And that's what I did for psychology, and that worked out pretty well. And then, obviously, I'm also, pretty much for all of my classes, I would be going and putting the notes onto a Quizlet and then studying the Quizlet. Mm -hmm. Quizlets are a huge helper. We don't do those during class. I have seen some people... That make their quizzes during class. I, I would not it's go kind to do of that. Awkward. Uh, I've also noticed again, like this is me plugging for why you should print your notes out. But there'll be people that literally, like the entire time the professor is talking, they're just writing notes on the slide and like not even paying attention to what the professor is saying and what he's which saying can is be, so important or which like she's the saying. most important information that they say. Like if they say like something specific during that slide, you want to be able to write that down on that slide so you have a frame of reference for like when they said this, what were they like talking about? Like I just think it gives you everything you need, and like Megan said, underlining and highlighting stuff. Like half the time I look at my notes and I kind of like laugh because I'm like I'm not even like writing anything down. Uh, But like I really only write stuff down if the professor says something or if you know it's going to to help you looking back on your notes later on. Because sometimes like highlighting sometimes gets the job done. A lot of our professors do a pretty good job of giving you more than enough information on the slides. So we've been pretty lucky with that. And if your schools don't have access to that. I'm super sorry because I don't know what I would be doing if I didn't have access to the PowerPoints, but I feel like most universities, like, are aware that the PowerPoints are, like, necessary for the students to be able to succeed in the class, so I think that most schools, um, do allow students to have access to that beforehand. All right, the next question is, how can I be more confident when it comes to public speaking slash presentations at school? Hmm, this is interesting. I feel like I have some good insight on this because I'm a I feel like speaking is harder for people who are not extroverted. Granted, I know there's a lot of people who are extroverted and they still hate public speaking. But this is going to be, like, dumb advice. But it's what helps me. I feel like the only reason I'm nervous to speak in public is because I'm afraid of looking dumb. I'm pretty sure this is their same thing. the only thing I can do to not look dumb is to do well. And I truly, like, don't have an issue with, like, maintaining eye contact. I feel like I've always been pretty good about, like, looking around the room. Um... I would say if you don't like keeping eye contact or if it's just harder for you and you're not very good at it, usually you're presenting to a group of people. If you look just above people, it still looks like you're making eye contact with everyone. So that is another, like, I did that in speech in high school all the time, where you're, like, just kind of (laughs) looking around the room, like, not not making eye contact with really anyone, but it still looks like you're making eye contact with everyone. Like, as long as you have an outward presence within the classroom and you're not, like, you know, head looking down and, like, mumbling like projecting projecting out you know you'll look good otherwise like glazing your eyes over a little bit like you know how you can like blur your eyes (laughs) like you could do that if you wanted to give the illusion of eye contact i'm not sure if like that looks different than it right now does it look i was just crossing (laughs) my (laughs) that was not (laughs) i just crossed my eyes instead of glazing them don't do that does it look like i'm it looks like you're looking at me okay so do that life hack glaze your eyes over if you want to look like you're giving eye contact. Of course, the issue with that is that you can't see anything then, so if you want to, like, reference your notes, you have to, like, come back to reality, look at the paper. Uh, another thing I is... I just practice practice, yeah. too. Unfortunately, like, practicing sucks because I feel so dumb, like, when I'm in my own room just, like, reciting something over and over again, but, like, that's what you have to do. Yeah. And, like, time it. Make sure, like, most speeches are timed, so make sure you have it, you know, within the range that they want it because you don't want to be the person that finishes, like a minute early and then you're like okay well gotta go or like you know how for exams you have to study for them it's just like practicing is what you have to do for speeches and so like you still have to put in the time to do well like you would for an exam and that means practicing in front of a mirror or making sure that you practice with the notes that you're probably going to have whenever you give your presentation or speech because that way you're not like scrambling trying to be like ah like what's next and that way you like just get better at knowing what your speech is including and then you should be less stressed about messing up because you know everything that's in your speech. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's easier said than done. I don't love giving speeches or presentations. I'd rather not, but I had to give quite a few. I had to give one or two speeches in my rhetoric class. I have took two speech classes in high school, and then obviously for different classes, I've had to give presentations as well. So I've done my fair share of presentations, and you just kind of have to make sure you know what you're talking about. If it's a group presentation, then make sure... Everyone kind of has their fair share and, like, you got to do your part. You know what sucks? when you have a group presentation and you know your part, but then, like, you don't know anyone else's part because, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I do a group presentation, like, I don't care what anyone else's part looks like, you know? Mm -hmm. But if they're presenting and then I'm like, oh, my God, you're not saying this, like, you're not even saying what, like, actually happened or whatever, that drives me crazy because then, like, what are you supposed to do, jump in? Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, another thing is to know, like, you already kind of said this, but know the information that you're presenting. If you're not presenting on something that's about you, you better be an expert in whatever you're presenting. I know for our writing class that we took, uh, last semester, we had to give, uh, presentations about a research article. If you have never read a research article, they're pretty lengthy, in-depth scientific articles, and we had to, like, understand the whole thing and, like, present it in, like,
1: so that if anyone asked
0: any questions that you'd be able to answer it, like, it was a lot. Of work. Yeah. So, like, becoming an expert and, like, knowing whatever someone could ask, you could give them an answer. Because most of the time, presentations, like, there's time at the end for people to ask questions. First of all, I know some people ask dumb questions because... Yeah, and it's not your fault. Yeah, but uh, if they do ask a good question, you need to be able to give them a good answer. And I saw this TikTok, but... Sorry, I didn't I was going to, like, reference TikTok twice here. But there was one girl who was, like, making a TikTok about, like, when you're trying to answer a question... Like, at the end of presentation, and it's just like, so, like, basically what happens is, like, this thing happens, and if that's not true, that's what a lot of people will just, like, I, I with my human phys pref- or er, my human phys presentation, we had to conduct our own experiments and then present on the experiments, like, in a group, and pe- honestly, what was funny and what I realized is that pretty much every single person's experiment did not work. Like, we're all just undergrad students trying to come up with an experiment and see if something significant happens. And I don't, I can't remember a single group that had significant findings in my lab. And then you still have to present on your experiment, kind of saying, like, what you were thinking was going to happen. What was your process like? And then also, why did you not experience what you thought was going to happen? And so it was pretty much everyone just presenting on a failed experiment. So if that was interesting, and then you get asked questions at the end and I remember, I don't remember the, what, the, what the question was, but I remember after my presentation, someone asked the dumbest question, and I couldn't say, like, that's a dumb question. Like, I'm not going to be able to answer that. Um, so we pretty much just, like, had to
1: do I up said. with an answer,
0: <laughs> and then hopefully people would be like, that was a dumb question. Like, not their fault. But that's what I would say is you got to know your stuff. You got to practice uh, put the effort in and then also if it's a group thing, try practicing all together maybe. So you can kind of... I've done that with a couple of my presentations where we will meet up and make sure that we go through and practice what we're each presenting and how we're going to kind of pass it off between the slides. So those would all be good things to do. Mm-hmm. All right, next question is... Do you think this is going to be our last one? Yeah. How to come to terms with growing up? Ah, what a deep question. I didn't see that one. That must be kind of new. So... I like this one because I feel like every once in a while, I find myself being, like, it's mostly when I go on, like, Webkinz or Clip Penguin, and I'm like, this is weird that I'm on this now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know why I only think of it when I'm doing that stuff, but, like, things that you used to do all the time as a kid, and you're like, I don't do that anymore. It's kind of sad. So, I feel like, one, I feel like growing up is a natural thing. Like, I'm no longer... (laughs) really inclined I to think- go you know what i mean like obviously like, growing up is a natural thing but like
1: <laughs> mentally you it's I a natural like-
0: thing too like i'm not as inclined to go on club penguin or webkins as i used to be because i'm maturing and i don't really want to go on those things anymore like sometimes when, you're like yeah it's you know fun. nostalgia every once in a while you're like oh my god what if i want club penguin same thing with meg and i used to have this weird thing when we were younger when we watched tv we like we're strictly cartoon only people and like, or like Disney Channel, Nickelodeon. I was like, I had this irrational fear of like, what if I never grow out of like watching Disney or like Nickelodeon or like I hated watching shows with like I called it like real people shows with like you know live action people. people like actors and stuff. I was like, I'm never gonna like watching that stuff. I didn't even honestly like watching that on like Disney and stuff uh, at an early age. So obviously, like, you know, I'm at a point now where I just watch like normal. There was TV no shows. fear to be had. So like part of it is just natural. Yeah. I guess what was the question how to deal with growing up or coming terms yeah I think this hits you hardest in college probably I think so too or like it's really a time where you're like I am supposed to decide what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life and a lot of times that's confusing for most people because what have you experienced in high school that really sets sets I don't know sets the table for what you want to do for the rest of your life sets the tone Um, I feel like a lot of people don't have that like solidifying experience of like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life because you're only 18, 19 when you enter college. You're supposed to pick a major and then just roll with it and obviously the classes you take are related to what you want to do but it's not what you're going to be doing for the rest of your life. You're not taking classes for the rest of your life so you have to hope that even if you're not enjoying your classes that maybe at the end of the day at the like once you get your degree that you'll like still enjoy your job and so I think that you know, growing up is associated with a lot of fear and a lot of, you know, not knowing what the end is going to hold, I guess, and there's, like, a lot of uncertainty, and it's okay to be uncomfortable, and sometimes you just have to accept that you're not going to be absolutely certain about everything that you're doing. I would still try to, you know, if you don't know what you want to do, like, let's just talk about college and major and stuff, Try to put yourself in a situation where you can kind of, you know, narrow some things down. If you want to job shadow someone, that doesn't even have to be, like, just medical field related. You could go job shadow someone if you're interested in business. People would probably be helpful and, like, you'd be able to shadow them for a day. But just, like, try and, like, you're not going to know unless you try. Mm -hmm. So I think that reach out if you think that's something that you might be interested in. Uh, A lot of times there's, like, family friends that I'm sure your parents could help you set something up with, you know, use your resources, whatever that may be. And that's only going to help you decide you do want to do something or not do something. I think one of the things that I miss most about being younger and being a kid is just, like, the lack of, like, responsibility or, like, consequences in your actions. Because, like, if you didn't do, like, this one thing, it didn't really matter that much. Like, you know, but when you're older and, like, especially in college and, you know, obviously further past that, like, your actions have consequences. You have responsibilities that you need to do. You can't just always, like, take a lazy day because you feel like it. Whereas, like, when I was younger, I was like, if I don't want to do something today, I didn't do anything or that like day. our mom would let us, like, if we were doing well in school and didn't have anything big going on, she would let us take, like, a day off of school. Like, she'd call us in. We'd have a day off. And she would usually take the day off work sometimes, too. And obviously, like, mental health days should still be, like, a thing uh, if you're in college or in high school like, or in college or, you know, in the real world. But, like, obviously... Don't just take advantage of those. But yeah. If you need to like have a date, like have a date yourself, go for totally it. Okay. We're gonna end now because I hear a train coming. So thank you guys for <laughs> listening. Um, come back next Thursday. We post usually 8 a.m. Central Standard Time every Thursday. So make us a part of your commute or you know have us at the gym, whatever it may be. Follow us on Instagram at according to and at megan underscore marie thirty two and at sierra underscore joe. All right, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.